Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. Today on Companion Pass, we have got Susanna Thorpe. Now, Susanna is married to Wesley, who is, as of last week, a two-time world champion. We're getting her like fresh off of Vegas. And I can tell you, you guys won't be able to see her. I can see her right now. And she does not look like a woman who just spent two weeks in Vegas. She's absolutely beautiful. But I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. And you're so sweet because I feel like I may not look like it, but I feel like I just came off of a year in Vegas. Don't we all? But thankfully did not get sick this year because I know a lot of people are coming home and off of that and are sick. So, oh my gosh, we didn't catch that this year. Yeah. That's the thing, right? It's if you can escape out of Vegas, we're not just alive, but also well, yes. which is the hardest thing, especially when you have kids. Cause I know you guys have two little boys and it's, it's a sickness magnet. They call it the Vegas it, crud. It's like legendary. It is. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I know. Wait, we did, we got like this shot, they call it a Jesus shot. And then we got a couple IVs while we were there. And I think that's what saved us. Why does not everybody know about this? I wish I knew I know. about that. Sh- no, shout out to the Jesus shot. <laughs> everybody needs one. <laughs> oh my gosh. There was one year in Vegas where Luke got so sick, like halfway through. And I just was thinking like, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know that I've ever seen him that sick. And it was the day of the 10th round. He called a doctor friend who's based out of Vegas And they brought him in. I don't know what they gave him. I don't think that it was anything quite as pure as a Jesus shot. I think it was more like a Hail Mary. They had him like doped up and there was like this combination of crazy stuff, this cocktail. And they were basically like, he was like Cinderella. They're like, you have until midnight. After midnight, you're going to crash. And he was just like a zombie. And he ended up that 10th round, like he won the world that year. And everybody always thinks like, you're going to go out and celebrate. And it was like immediately get him back to the hotel room (laughs) and in bed because he barely survived. But oh my gosh, that stuff can be brutal. It can. It can. Since we've been talking about it a little bit, I think we should kind of jump right in sort of to the most recent part of your guys' story instead of where we usually start on these podcasts, which is the beginning. We'll circle back to that. But I want to talk about just your guys' year this year in Vegas because what an awesome couple of weeks. What an awesome year. Let's talk about it. I think I think that it's a great actually point to just start at the end because I mean normally, like you said, we do start at the beginning of the season, but sometimes the end is what just encapsulates the whole year because It just, it's such a short amount of time of the year, but when something like that happens to you in such a short, such a short period of time after you've done something all year, and then you literally have, what is it? Vegas ended, NFR ended on Saturday, and then you're already entering rodeos for the next season, really during the rodeo, actually. It really puts in perspective being in Vegas and making it to the finals, it's such a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Everyone sees just the NFR in that short period of time, right? And we're all so excited. It's the Super Bowl of rodeo to watch everything and everyone's accomplishments. And I think that really what I want to just get across to everybody and, and a lot of your listeners you know, might already know this, some might not, but just what all of these men and women go through to just get to the point of making the NFR. It's just such a huge accomplishment. And that two weeks or that 10 days that they perform is such such a short snapshot of what actually that they go through. And a lot of times it just 
it might not go the way that you anticipated. We've seen that a lot because so much of your year is dependent on those 10 days. And I think that this will be, or this was Wesley's eighth year. And I think it's funny looking back from the beginning to now over the years, how we've looked at those 10 days. It's really just amazing what you can accomplish in all of that beforehand. So back to Wesley's, Tyler and Wesley started off roping. I think that they made the switch May, maybe they started roping together. Fresh, fresh partners. They didn't even rope together all year. Correct. Okay. Yes. And Tyler, I think he was like maybe in the 30s or 40s, 40th, 30th in the world, something like that, which you don't really pay that much attention, you know, going because there's so much rodeo. Majority of the rodeos are in the summer anyway. And Wesley had a decent winter. So we're like, you know what? We're going to get together. They were really good friends. His wife, Jessie, and myself are good friends. And she actually rides for our horses for my parents. So that was fun. And we started off, it was rocky at first. Not that it was just like, we do good. And then we went through a dry spell. And then they just got together and were like, you know what? We're not going to let, like, we might have just messed up like 11 in a row. Like, the whole 4th of July was terrible. And I was thinking, um, you know what? Like, whatever happens, they're so good at what they do and their mental game. I think mental game in the sport is so important. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not necessarily, I mean, it, ability is a lot of it. But I think that you just have to look at yourself. And, and you know, we as wives are a therapist, yeah, right? Yes. Like, I don't have that certification. I didn't go to school for that, but I feel like full-time therapist and you help them through that and you pray a lot about it and they just pick their heads up and then they're like, we're not going to let the last 10 days or two weeks, three weeks might define anything that we're doing. And then they just started killing it. And I think that they just had to get all of that in their head and stop thinking about necessarily the end goal. Like, let's just make our sure. run and trust, trust that and trust each other. And so that was fine. And they ended up after Sioux Falls, which is the last technically rodeo of the season that counted. And I think Wesley ended up going in number one and Tyler ended up in going in number two. But in preparation for the finals, they already set themselves up to do well in for a world title but we all know how Vegas that kind of goes back into saying that those 10 days are just yeah they're pretty brutal for these guys and girls just and so much goes into that going in it we were so excited the boys were so excited they say all year long um that Vegas is their favorite rodeo Mm -hmm. that's all that's 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 where they want to go which isn't everyone's but so it started off a little bit, not rocky, but we just, Tyler and Wesley, they made a couple good runs on not so great steers, and then they plates along. And then Wesley legged, I think, two in a row, and then he missed one. And I could just tell when he was riding out. I think the one he missed was the seventh. And I could just tell when he rode out of the arena. I could just see the, I don't know not necessarily defeat on look on his face, but it just, it was very disheartening for me to watch on his face. And so I immediately knew I was going to take the kid to the truck and whatever I could do to be an uplifting and positive, that's what I was going to do. So we get there and we're just chatting and he doesn't really say much. I just gave him a hug and we just roll on, right? That night in bed, I told him, I said, you know what? He hadn't said anything about it. I said, you know what, Leslie, no matter what happens from here on out, you are already a champion. Like this sounds so cliche, but you are already nothing really in our life is going to change as cool as it sounds to be a world champion. And as amazing as that is an accomplishment, you have the best family, the best friend. You've already accomplished so much. And this this story is already written for us anyway. God has already has this in our plans. So if we're going to go out and do it, it's going to happen. And then he won the eighth, ninth round that next night. And then 
just had to catch two win the world. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. I love that story for so many reasons. And one of the things that when you were talking that stood out to me is how you were telling him, you know, kind of removed the pressure of having to win from the situation by telling him these things you did. And that's something that I've talked to people before, you know, conversation with Josie Martin really stood out. And Mm -hmm. and she was explaining to me that one of the ways that she really helps to try to support Tristan is to take that same pressure out of having to win. And I think she said it really good. And I wish I could remember verbatim for her words, but it was something along the lines of nobody can back in the box feeling like they need to win. It's almost like in order to be your best and in order to accomplish that end goal, which is winning, you have to stop trying to win. You have to just go out there, like move that from the equation and then it happens, which you think is so hard. And that goes back to that mental toughness that you were talking about. It's so hard to be in a competitive frame of mind without the winning being what you're focusing on. But that's kind of what you have to do. I've learned a lot from him. Just it's helped me even just navigate through what I do. And I'm just, I say I'm just a mom, but it just, it, I think it just helps me in my daily life and it helps me with him because I tell you what, going from this summer, you have to have that mental toughness because it is tough. And I have to have it because I'm like, I'm running up no sleep. The kids are driving me crazy. Like we haven't had a decent meal in a little while. <laughs> You're driving all of these hours. So I think it's it's just a good kind of thing for all of us to have. But. Yeah, I totally agree. What I know of you and just hearing you talk, you and the boys travel with him. Do you do that all the time? Like all year long, are you guys with him? We do. We are with him majority of the time. Of course, like our home rodeos, which are in Texas, we just go with him because we can drive and come back usually or just make a little staycation kind of situation with it but in the summer we pretty much leave with him in june like middle of june and then we will go with him through august and the only rodeos that i don't go to are kansas because i feel like i'm close enough to home i'm gonna take the week that i have at home and then he'll usually go with this year he went with tyler and they just went together but yeah, that's really the only time that we're not with. And we made the transition from a trailer to a bus. So mm-hmm. we have a little bit more room with that, but still a lot. I say, no, really, no matter how you travel, I think that it, it makes it a little nicer because the kid, they're asleep. We don't have to transfer them from the truck to the trailer at three o'clock in the morning, but it's fun. It's definitely different. And I think that one of your podcasts, I think it was, um, Cherie Wright that was talking about this. I think, or I think a lot of people look at it and say it might be like a selfish sport, but I look at it and I'm like, I think about how selfless it is. I think about how selfless us as wives and children have to be to put a lot of what we do aside to support and keep our companions going and get them through. And then I also think about, I know in the, the team roping side of it, I look at Wesley and just see how I know it's hard for him sometimes because he is always thinking about what he can do to support our family. And whether that is, you know, a lot of times, especially with roping, because there's so much year round. I've heard you talk about this a few times. There have been many weddings and parties and family events that I attend by myself. And I'm sure people are like, where's your husband? Most people know by now, but my family, they're all city people were not, I wasn't raised in a ranting family, a rodeo family. So a lot of that is hard for people to understand. And I struggled with it for a while because I'm like, oh, I just want, I want like just one time, I just want to have this wedding or something and have me be there. And he's good. Like now I think that unless it's Houston short go, there are things that you differentiate from that you can miss. But with team roping, you have someone else relying on you, right? You can't just you can't just go because your header relies on your meters in events like that. But I remember, and this is like in true rodeo, rodeo wife, mom, but when I had Matt, and not many people know this, but and he, he tried to get there, but he's six years old and 
he is a Fourth of July baby. Well, he ended coming a couple weeks early, and I think Wesley was like just completely unexpected. And Wesley was in Cody, Wyoming, which tiny airport, couldn't get a flight out. And Matthew, I was thinking, okay, first baby, going to take a while, right? It was so quick. And Wesley didn't make it there. (laughs) But we were on FaceTime. So we we welcomed our first child together over FaceTime. And then instead of him actually flying in and being there for a very short amount of time, he flew in three or four days later and was able to spend a week with us at home. So I was like, that's just That's just sometimes life. And then I think about all of these women who have spouses that are fighting for our country and not here for months and months at a time. I'm like, I can do that. That's little. I have many times opted that frame of mind of he's gone for a few weeks or can fly home instead of just like you said, Mm -hmm. like there are many women living lives where they know that their husbands are going to be gone for months, just like you said. And that really does put it into an entirely different perspective. But it also doesn't take away from the feelings that you're feeling in those moments. I mean, you said that's the most rodeo wife story ever is that you guys are (laughs) welcoming your first baby via FaceTime together because he just couldn't get home and not for lack of trying clearly or wanting to, but it's just the life we live. And it clearly sounds like you're the way that you view things, you have a really positive outlook on it. But what are your feelings in that moment where you're going through something so huge and you have to be alone? How do you not end up feeling a little resentful towards rodeo? Not towards Wesley, but just towards like the sport. I think for a little while I did hold a little bit of that resentment. I went on with no back and I'm like, oh, it's like they're taking that one person from me. It's not necessarily... And I think that it took me a little bit to under to really understand what I think it's just all how you take how what you take from it because I could sit here and say you know what he wasn't there for this and couldn't go to this wedding and couldn't go on this vacation but I think about what what all rodeo I guess has provided for us and the the experiences and what. Uh, my kids are learning just from the profession and just from the lifestyle in general, and that we are able to travel with him and live our life with him. I that's what I was on um, the Cowboy Channel, like the wife segment with uh, Janie Johnson and Kirby Schnorr, and we were talking. And they were like, "When you have downtime, what do you like to do?" I think my answer was like my purpose, and I think call my calling in this life is being the best mom and wife I could be. And that is truly what my heart like beats for. And I just love it. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I don't feel like, and I did, I'm actually an RN. I went to school at Charlton and got my BSN and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a mom. And I'm so glad that I have that. If I ever needed it, I keep my license current, everything. But I just think that's like God placed me here on this earth to be just Wesley's person and confidant and support. And then my kids, I'm just trying to raise them to be good little men. Right. And probably goes back to what you're saying is that the rodeo lifestyle that you guys are living kind of provides you an opportunity to do focus solely on both of those things, especially if you guys are traveling together. It's given you the freedom to be able to, you know, have that be your main focus and what you're doing day in and day out, that you guys are all together. Right. Yes, that's so true. When I was thinking about doing this podcast with you, I am going to show all of my rodeo ignorance here. And this is really funny. But I was thinking about team roping in general, and of all the rodeo events, I think I understand the least about team roping culture and what that's like. And I was like, you know what? I don't think that I know or understand that much about team ropers. Like that was the thing to me that was the most foreign, and I have no idea why that is. So I'm hoping that you can educate me about all things team roper 
world. Yes, involved. of course. I will try. So I think a lot of, I, I guess I'll start with everyone um, better have. So we'll start with the women. I think that a lot of us are fairly close, which we actually during the finals this year, a lot of the wives and girlfriends of those competing, we have this group text going and I feel everybody's, and say very welcoming, very supportive on that aspect. I think the Team Roper wives slash girlfriends are some of the most, I think I see them most out on the road with yeah. their, I think that they travel the most with, I, I don't know why that yeah. is, but that was one of the things. I think it's because they always travel separately. Like you don't really see many team ropers traveling together. And I think that's why yeah. you have your, like the steer wrestlers I see, I always know when a steer wrestling rig passed me because <laughs> it's a sick tour, it's a big truck. And it's 87 it's guys packed in the cab. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so funny. That was one of the things that I'm like, when I'm thinking about team roper stereotypes that I would associate with them. I always see them as being the guys that most frequently travel with their families. So yes. that is true. Then I wondered why that was because to me, it make it would make sense that a header and a healer would like in the same rig together, but that never seems to be the case. Is, is there like a right? Do, do no. you know why? <laughs> I, I don't know. I almost think it's a dynamic and it's funny. Like a lot of people categorize, you know, there's this, like, everything has stereotype, but like, the headers are more like this type A, just the healers are more go with the flow really? and whatever. And and I don't really know if that has to do with necessarily with traveling. That doesn't really go, but I'm wondering the same thing now because there really is. And I really don't know yeah. any team rovers that travel together. I think that they just want their own space. Yes. Maybe it's one of those things where like, you know, they say like, work home balance like you shouldn't work with your spouse I mean I don't like that right like you don't want to yes. go to work with somebody yes. and then jump in the truck yeah. I could see that making for some pretty awkward like long all-night drives if a rodeo hasn't gone well yes. have to get in the truck together yes and there have been some of those I am always so interested in rodeo stereotypes and the ones that are true and the ones that aren't so I'm so glad that you brought that up so you were saying that headers kind of tend to have one personality type and healers another because I never thought about that i think so i think that there is i think with heading there's a lot that goes with feeling too but i think a header just is in general more a little bit like like they have to break things down a little bit more they're more i think if you look at the headers their horses are they always probably have a little bit i don't know why this is their horses they probably have more like nicer or newer like breast collars and hen stalls and they're more they are they're more like barrel horses yeah you i mean you hear about a lot of horses that didn't make barrel horses going and being <laughs> head horses so yes. everything you're saying yes. i'm like you're putting all the pieces together for me exactly yeah so that's fun and then healers just seem to be like you know what we're just here to finish the job and because that's really they are they yeah. headers start the run and get it set up and the healers come in and just get it done. So I think that's a little bit of the the attitude. Oh, so insightful. I would also think that like from the outside, when and you were just talking about Wesley, that how they kind of didn't start roping together until May, which meant you switch within partners. And you do see that. I mean, even among the top guys, and it's not always, you know, times where like everybody wants to speculate why somebody stopped roping with another. Right. But, but how would that, that things like that ever like drama or animosity? Because I, I would wonder if it gets kind of like prickly sometimes. I think sometimes it does. I would say a very small percentage. I know with us and, and our experience with it, like this last time, it was with um, one of our very good friends, Cody Snow, who made pretty much all of its previous NFRs with. He had won his first world title, actually, roping with him. And, but Cody missed it by, like, it was a split win. So that was, I know that was hard on Wesley, but because Wesley won and Cody didn't. And I know that was, that kind of, I think that was hard for him because you always want the yeah. first one that you're roping with to, to win it as well. And then, and his, Cody's fiance is also one of my best friends. And so you look at that situation, you're like, what's going to happen here. And I'm sure some people probably that it's the probably natural thing that pops in your head, but 
overall, I think it was just a business decision and, and they just thought that it was time for a change. And I think that they've both come out really well from it and they're still very good friends. And Casey, her name's Casey and I were, we're great. And I think we both just said, you know what, like we, we love y'all and we wish y'all the best. Right. So that's just how that went. Yeah. I mean, you just said right there made a lot of sense to me in that it's a business decision, which is, I think maybe the factor that makes it a little bit different. Exactly. Yeah. No matter where you are, no matter how good, no matter how, and so it's going to be a little bit of dramas. I think for the most part, everybody understands that. And that's what everybody takes from those situations. But it's always interesting to see some people just don't flow together sure. well. They don't, they just don't have them. You could be a great hunter, great healer, and then it just not work. Yeah. That a lot as well. It's, it's interesting. I think personality and obviously courses and style contributes to that a lot. But yeah. I'm very interesting. I think you and I have touched on it a couple in a couple different ways already, but there's so much more to finding success in rodeo than just talent. There's the yeah. mental toughness. It's for you guys, it's finding the right partner for a lot of people in all events. It's finding the right horse. There's so many different factors that all have to kind of come together to create lightning in a bottle, right? It's like this exactly. intangible thing that's so hard. And, and I think that's partly why part of why it's so hard to describe what makes somebody a winner in rodeo because it's Alan is obviously has to be there but it's not yes. half of it and the other 50% of winning comes from all these other little things that either have to just fall into place just right or you know, have to work out to find the right thing and you talking about just needing to find the right partner in team roping makes so much sense roping styles what you need setup obviously I've already said I don't know a whole lot about team roping. Yes. But it makes perfect sense. There are so many ways in which team roping is a really unique event within rodeo. I mean, the only one where you really have a partner. And right. just you talking about how world champions are crowned based solely on money won. So when you're going into a situation and you've maybe switched partners halfway through the year, like we've talked about, it's entirely possible for a team, a header and a healer, to not both win the world. I can just remember watching those few times. And I remember when you were talking about Wesley and Cody that that year and how, gosh, that must create like so many conflicting feelings for everybody involved, right? Yes. Yes. I know we were so, we, we knew it was going to be close and it came down, I think it came down to the 10th round and in case he was sitting next to me and we were watching and I mean, it was, they had a great NFR. They won the average together, which I think is amazing. And that's a huge thing to catch 10 yeah. steers. I just think it's such a, that's wow. What an accomplishment. But I know that was at the time. And I knew that when you have such a good friend, you know, that no matter what happens, they're truly from the heart going to be happy for you. But I remember sitting there and I was like, I was so excited when we learned, Wesley just texted me a picture of his buckle because I didn't really like, oh no. And then, but the first thing I, I was excited, but the third, first thing that popped to my head was like, well, did Cody win it? When it was just barely. And I, I popped in my head, like what it, like she's sitting right next to me and I felt, but immediately it was just hugs and praise and excitement. I think that we have a good little family in in, that, in our team roping world. And yeah. sometimes Lindsay, I don't even understand. I'm like, <laughs> what's happening? Why doesn't that steer cooperate? Yeah. I don't know. What you just said there kind of jogged my memory, which is funny. And I think that this is something we've never talked about on the podcast. Such a unique experience to Rodeo Wives. But like you just said, so you're sitting in the stands and I have been in this position. That's why I'm saying it jogged my memory. But 10th go around NFR, like you're the wife sitting in the stands, the girlfriend, whatever. And you know that everybody like at home on TV, they know who the world champion is. And anytime that it comes down to a close race, which felt like every single year ever, you don't know. And a lot of people find out before you. So the event ends and you're like, just like you said, I can remember sitting there being like, I know it's close, but somebody tell me. They, they're they not announcing it just in the Thomas and yes. Mac yet. They bring out the right. average champion and you're trying like furiously to calculate things in your head, but often it comes down to dollars. And so you don't know. And that's such a funny kind of strange experience I think nobody would it really is. think about. But we're sitting there like just waiting for the news. And on TV, I think that they usually kind of put it up right away or they're interviewing the guys. Right. 
But tell me what your feelings are in that moment getting that text. Like you got the picture from Wesley. Like, what are you feeling? What that's experienced like? No, it's hard to put in the words. So I'm putting it on you to try. <laughs> no, that's I Lindsay, I don't know if there are any words to describe it. I, I think the emotion that just that hits you is just it's a lot of things. It's not just a year, not just 10 days, but it's years and years of just accomplishment and extreme. I think proud is a very minor word for I think how you feel, right? It's emotional and the fact because you see them day in and day out and you're a part of that just pure I don't even have the words it's just it's hard it's hard to describe and and I kind of thinking about it I get emotional because it's such a to win that buckle and that saddle that says world champion on I think is it is amazing but that is and I think I posted something like that on my Instagram like that is so like we see that and other people see that and it is that tells so little yeah Tells a lot. It's, it says world champion, yeah. but the, the people that the sponsors, your family, um, the wives, and, and those who really follow the sport might get a glimpse of that. But we really truly understand what goes into that and what that means yeah. because it is a hard feat. Yeah. To me, it's kind of like most people just watch the finals. That's what they're seeing the most of a mm-hmm. rodeo. And doing that is like putting on a movie, you're going to watch Cinderella and you watch the last yes. 10 minutes and you see the happy ending and you're like, oh, that's great. I'm happy for him. What a great ending. You know, got there happily ever right. after. And you don't watch any of the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to be able to deeply appreciate the ending, you have to see everything that came before. You have to know the hard stuff. You have to see when the carriage gets turned back into a pumpkin right. and you think all hope is yes. lost, right? And I think for me, often, like you're saying, it's such a small part of the story. I can remember watching Luke. And on that night, when they win that world championship, it doesn't just feel like validation for a year of hard work and struggle. But for me, so often, it felt like redemption for the year before when they didn't win it. You saw it's so much more than just one year. It's the last five years when they struggled. And it's the most intense and all-encompassing feeling of just satisfaction. It feels so validated, all the hard work and all the sacrifice. It feels like here is this tangible thing that kind of made it all worth it. Right. Yeah. It's so true. It just, it's so cool. And then, you know, you go and you enjoy the night and then you wake up and you, you hit the ground running, which I think it's like that in, in kind of everything, every sport that has some kind of intent into it, but it just starts over. It's such a cool, it's such an amazing thing to accomplish, but we're ready to roll on to the next season. And, and in that, one of my favorite things that we do, Wesley always takes two weeks off. We'll go visit family and everything, but we try to take two weeks off of no competition. I'll put it that way. No competition. (laughs) We'll still ride and do all things like that. But so we always enjoy this little downtime. What an awesome thing to do. And it's also so funny hearing you say that because as professional athletes, they have an off season. And for you to be like, we have the most special two weeks of the year where we Yes, that's a great two weeks. Where we're not trying to win money. (laughs) That was so funny. Right. Now, I'd, I'd love to like circle back and talk a little bit more about you. Yes. I'll start from the beginning. My family, like I said, we're not, they, we didn't have horses or anything. And we're, we lived in the city. I'm from East Texas, Tyler. And then majority of my family lives in Dallas. And that's where they are right now. Anyway, I was the kid that always, I loved to dance. I loved to play sports, but I never really liked to do like the dance competition at the end and I didn't really like to didn't really like the basketball games I just like to go to practice I just I that's just what I like to do right I didn't really want to be in front of a whole lot of people and perform and that just wasn't it's funnily enough I ended up like to doing it when I was on a horse but not like that we went to a family vacation I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade yeah sixth grade we went to the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs and I, we did a trail ride and I got home and I was like, dad, mom, like I love these horses. Can I start riding? So we 
had a family friend that had a lot of people in our area do um, English writing. And then my mom had some like quarter horses growing up just in their pasture. And she was like, well, let's, we know Mr. Wheeler, let's take you there. So I started writing and instantaneous just caught the bug for the love of horses. Um, and so about a year later, I got my first horse and it just took off from there. The Wheelers, they're a rodeo family from that area. And his nephew, Cole Wheeler, and Wesley actually won the college finals together a while ago. So that was that's where our families intertwined. And so I started junior rodeoing, and I think eighth grade is actually where I met Wesley. And we were just friends. And then I think one of the high school rodeos we went to in the, in the following years, he had grown about six inches. <laughs> he was finally taller than I was. I was pretty tall. And I just, I loved his personality. I remember telling my mom, I'm like, I really like this guy. We started dating and then that kind of took us through college. And I knew that I, I still wanted to take my barrel horses with me. And then, but I wanted to, at the time I wanted to be a nurse. So I ended up accomplishing that goal. I got my degree and my license. And then just like I said before, I just decided that I'm so glad that I have that. If I ever needed it, God had a different plan for me. But I, I really think it was it's so interesting. I look back all the time and, and I see what horses were just such a big part of not only our relationship and how we met, but my parents even now, they they raise their horses now. Like they're into it. And and I say that they're like we are they went full fledged. And so <laughs> it's it's been fun. It's created this whole story and love. Um, and it, we've kind of gotten to give some people who probably wouldn't necessarily follow rodeo otherwise or horses in, in our family, get them to follow along with our sport, which the yeah. more people we have to do that, I think is amazing. So I, I love to share our sport because I think it's so unique. I think we have a long way to come in a professional sense just because I think it can be so good. And I, I think it is so good, but, um, I think that we have a lot to grow. And I think the more people that we can get it across to is great. I love that. I mean, it sounds like you single-handedly did a great job converting your entire family. <laughs> so you're, I, I did. you were Everybody's... an advocate for, for <laughs> yes. rodeo. I love that so much. So, I mean, obviously you do then have your own love for the sports. And since you kind of fell in love with I horses and, and took yourself down that path and Obviously, your family now has completely embraced it. But growing up in, in a different way, when you told your parents, like, an Ameria Rodeo Cowboy, were they like, what? Or at that time, I mean, obviously, I'm sure that they absolutely loved Wesley. I think mainly from my dad, just because yeah. he's, he's my dad. And I think <laughs> the lifestyle is so different. And I think that's just what my dad was just saying. But as the years have gone by, I think that they realized just how... But, and I think team roping, and that's what I touched on a little bit earlier is team roping. I think in general, you can, there's so much business behind it. You can do it for so long. You can, there are just, there are a lot of opportunities there as far as, because that was, Wesley's always said this, that we love to rodeo and he loves to rope, but it's not going to be forever. Like we, we know that. I think that kind of gave my dad a little peace of mind too, because from a young age, Wesley said, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what. I'm, I dream of, this is what I've always wanted to do, but I want to get to a point and start a business. I, I want to make this be sustainable and support my family. So I think that was like probably pretty reassuring to my father. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, it's like you said, I mean, I think when you take it at face value, the like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go rodeo. Like that's my career path. It sounds yes. kind of scary. And I'm sure for a dad, they're like, wait, excuse me, this is my little girl. Like I need to know yes. how you're going to take care of her. But, and you brought it up several times, like team roping and a whole other way that it is unique is that one, you do have the opportunity for a much longer career than many of right. the other events. And then two, team roping, the world of team roping is so massive beyond rodeo, which is really unique to that event because I can't think of, well, aside from barrel racing, but other right. than barrel racing and team roping, no other event has 
such opportunity beyond professional rodeo. So you can be a professional and still go to, I mean, we live in Texas and where you and I live, I mean, you could go to a team roping every single day, a jackpot and win money. Yes. Whereas yes, somebody, you can. Yeah. Somebody like Luke, I'm like, there's like maybe three you steer wrestling jackpots a year, <laughs> you know, like right, you, you right. have to, you're really dependent on and just And that's rodeo. boring to me. Like I, I thought that was, I was naive to that. I didn't know that there were like, oh, just talking to other people. What are y'all doing this week? And we're going here. We're going there. You just don't, you don't see that as much unless it's like an actual like PRCA rodeo. Their jackpots don't really exist outside of the PRCA rodeos with that. Like you said, maybe two or three a year, but right. or like a benefit from things like that, which I'm aware of. But that was, I was like, wow, that's pretty is different. Yeah, absolutely. What to you, if you look at it, is the like single most difficult aspect of the of this lifestyle for you? Like what is the biggest challenge for you? I'm going to answer this in two parts okay. because I can't pick between these two. I think the constant having to stay right here in the middle just all the time. And, and I'm trying to explain this. There are so many highs and lows throughout the year. And in order to be successful in this sport and for me as a wife to be helpful and to my husband and keep him going is just keeping yourself right here at like a maintenance level, right? Because if you get too high, it, it come right back down. So you just have to stay here in, in order of your attitude and how you plan things throughout the year. You just, you just have to stay pretty even keel and keep, I mean, it just goes back to attitude. Yeah. Just make sure everything is just like you just have to be a constant. Yeah. Right. That to me is such incredible advice. And that is advice that I wish that I would have gotten 15 years ago because I very much was the opposite of that to my own detriment is that I was definitely at the mercy of the highs and the lows. And that leaves you like it's just like a pendulum and you start swinging faster and things can feel a little bit out of control. And then I just yes. felt like I did not have control over riding the highs and the lows. It was just like, what's going to happen today? And it leaves you feeling, I mean, exhausting is what I would say. Right. Um, I never heard anybody kind of in those words, which I wish that I had. And I think over time and experience, I somehow found a way to kind of level out a little bit more and be less affected by it. The other thing that's interesting to me about you saying that is the only other person that I've ever heard put it in those words was Shayla Hall, who is also a team roper yes, wife. Yes, that's funny. So this must be I love her. team so roper sweet. wife wisdom that yes. needs to be dispersed <laughs> to the rest of us in order to keep us all sane. So you guys have some sort of secret. Well, that's it, right? <laughs> we must. I And even you know, part of that might be because you're relying so much on on someone else. Mm -hmm to be part of your yeah to win exactly yeah and then that's a lot and then that can be a lot of pressure on somebody else too i think that that kind of by being that constant by being just here and trust me like you just said it's taken it has taken some time to figure that mm -hmm. out but it's definitely helped and i never try to i just try to take one day at a time and in the summer and also a lot of preparation like I right now I'm preparing myself for leaving the middle of June. <laughs> you have to because it's not just in whatever I post on Instagram or TikTok or which I'm terrible at doing. It's just it's a lot. It's not that glamorous. Majority of it is not that fun. It's hard. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's emotional. It's it's grit. Mm -hmm. It's just things that. I mean, it's doing laundry and laundromats. It's cleaning out horse stalls and eating fast food three days in a row or not eating at all because you don't want to eat fast food or it, it's missing out on trips with families. It, it's more than that. It's not being able to go to church on Sundays. It's not being in your home for four months out of the year. It just, it's a lot. And if you have children and you can't find that, that middle, I think it could be pretty chaotic, right? Yeah. So I'm glad that over the years, I've learned that's where I need to be. Yeah. Oh, such great advice and such 
I think there's just those few kind of specific instances that you pointed out there about the things that kind of make it difficult are important to hear because I think we tend to like blanket be like, oh, it has its challenges, but you just kind of specifically listing some of them and that's, you know, your life, like it kind of puts it in, uh, gives people a little bit better idea what, what life on the road is really like. And you're throwing two kids into the mix too. It's not like you're footloose yes. and fancy free. That's yes. definitely really hard. Yes. So much respect This to you. sounds so terrible, but we joke all the time. I would, everybody, I drive a lot. I like to drive. I do a lot of thinking while I drive and I like to listen to podcasts and books while I drive. But I love it because, not only because of that, but Somebody else has been taking care of the kids, right? And that sounds terrible, but I know you understand as a mom and others well too, but it is hard when you're driving that long and they're back there, especially with ways that are like killing each other. And you're like, (laughs) and then you just don't even want to look back because there's snacks and toys and stuff everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So that kind of gives me a little bit of alone time. That's how you get away on the road. You just got to get behind the wheel. (laughs) Another tip that I wish that I would have learned from you years ago to do that. It's no joke trying to entertain little kids on like a 12-hour drive. I mean, also, it's not like, oh, people go on road trip and they're like, here's some fun activities for the kids. And it's like, yeah, that worked for the first week. And now we have three months left and we still have 16,000 hours worth of driving. Like, what are you going to do now? (laughs) I am a member of every online grocery store (laughs) In every state, I think, because I'll be like, all right, we're going to be in Montana this day. I'm going to do my grocery pickup. I'm going to be in Washington. I'm going to do my grocery. So I have an account with every one of those grocery <laughs> stores, which is hilarious. But um, I did want to say, just to add on here, I do have so much admiration, though, for those wives and girlfriends and families that aren't able to go, not necessarily that don't want to go, but that aren't able or they have young children on or just for any circumstance because I think that is so hard and I think that is way harder than what I'm doing traveling with my kids with my husband because I get to be with him and so I just think that's amazing that I don't think I could stay at home I know me personally and my personality like I I want to just be there and but I did it. I did it when the kids were younger. And then Wesley was like, I just, I can't do this without you guys. So I need y'all to come. But I I do, I have so much admiration for those who stay home and or just come out a little bit and visit because that's hard. And you're doing a hard thing by doing that. I think that just no matter which way you cut it, each one presents its own unique challenges <laughs> yes. and great things too. They each have their benefits and, and hard points. But I am right there with you. I think that everybody is doing their best at kind of a tough job. Yes. Yes, yes for sure. I always like to, at the end of the podcast, we do a couple of things. So I'm going to do that with you now. The first one is that I will ask you a question that's been anonymously left for a previous or for a a future guest, which now is you, by a previous guest. So this is a previous guest question that I have for you here is, if you could pick any alternate career for your spouse, what would it be? And I'm just going to add on to this by saying it does not have to be an occupation that you think he would like. You can pick anything you want for him to do. Let's see. I don't know if it's his boring or you want a different answer but I a real estate developer does he have interest in that is that why you chose that he does he loves real estate actually like he's always looking to we have a few like rental properties and things that we own ourselves but he's always looking to, to see what he could do but his mind just always spinning and he has some pretty good but I think it would definitely be or just an independent business owner yeah I just think that he, that's just how his mind runs. I think that he's always said that he could never be behind a desk. So I think it would have to, with that job, he'd have to be behind a desk, (laughs) but sometimes, but just being out and able to kind of look at different things, I think that he would enjoy that. And I think he would be very good at it. Post-retirement, we'll look for Wesley (laughs) 2.0. Yes, we'll look real estate developer. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Now, the last one is, can you tell me what your favorite rodeo moment or memory is? I've talked about some really great ones of yours already, but if there's anything that stands out, big or small, it can be whatever you want. I'm going to go with my favorite rodeo moment. 
thus far. But let's just say this year because it's been hard. And it, it actually was just recently at the NFR. I think it was the ninth round. Like they had to do well, right? They won the eighth round. They they pretty much had to do well in that round as well. But I loved it so much because I just started crying. And I think I got more emotional that night than I did when he when we found out he won the world. But I had been on my knees saying a prayer the night before. And he was putting the kids to bed in the other room and saying their night prayers. And I just had walked in and I just literally, and then I never pray. I, I always pray for safety and protection and just everybody. I, I just, it's not, I don't ever pray. I, I pray for Wesley's ability to go do what he does and then whatever happens. But I just prayed that and I said, Lord, I just want whatever to happen just so I, we always want to glorify you. And then I just gave it all to him. And I like, please just show us something, all this hard work, all this, all of this, uh, these tough times that we've been through to get us here and just give him the, I guess, not like secureness that he needed to get through that and know that no matter what was happening, it's going to be okay. And then that next night they won it. And I was like, I knew from that, I wasn't even really nervous anymore because I just knew. I just knew after yeah. that in my heart. I just felt it. And then I just started crying. Oh, I love that. Like the comfort and the confidence that brought you in just trusting the outcome. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's been a great year. And I'm just, I loved meeting you when I saw you the other night. I, was like, I have to meet her because I follow you on Instagram and I've always just thought you were just beautiful and so classy. And oh. I love the way you dress. Like you are by far my fashion uh, inspiration. Oh my gosh. Sure. Thank you. I feel likewise. And I was so happy to get to meet you and hug you, even though it was brief the other <laughs> night, getting yes. to meet these people in person that you feel like you get to know through social media or whatever is, is so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've loved getting to know you and hear more about your story. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I probably babbled on, but it just to to describe what what you do and, and so many other women and it it's a lot to put into an hour, but yeah. um, I think that we we did pretty well. Agreed. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, it would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow, and most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. Mm-hmm.